Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Concerning this congregation and... uh, I feel like there's been some confirmations also of people I very much trust in prayer and uh, some great things I believe are ahead of us as a church body, some great things that are ahead. Um, I know for the last here maybe two, three, four weeks, there's been some battles going on. Let me ask the question. Raise your hand if you have been going through a battle in the last month, all of us somewhere along the line we, we're all faced with something or maybe in this past year so um, I through the years I've just kind of watched patterns things that happen when the church body goes through battles and struggles there is something that is happening in the spirit realm something that is happening and uh, there is a breakthrough that is going to take place as long as we, as the church body, continue to do what we know is right and stand, take a stand when when the world or others might not be taking a stand on the truth of the Word of God. We must take a stand because... When we go through the battles, we, I know a lot of us have been through physical battles. I know even me and my wife have been attacked physically. and uh, But that doesn't mean we quit living for God. <laughs> that means we double down and, and uh, dig in. You know, we're just, me and my wife are just stubborn enough uh, that uh, we're going to just dig in. You, got, you know, uh, we're not going to give up, give in to the enemy. And uh, the enemy is not going to win. But there's something happening through the battle that is going to bring forth an increase. And I had a text message from a very dear friend that has prayed over this church. And um, he confirmed some things that we have been going through. Uh, And he's also confirmed some things that Brother Ayers had seen in our quarterly prayer um, about uh, making proclamations proclaiming some things in prayer. And that's what we did at our quarterly prayer. We proclaimed some things. And in this, um, uh, my friend had told me, that, and he's a prayer warrior, uh, he had told me that uh, he felt like uh, the word increase, and he didn't say it once, he said it twice, there's increase. But he also gave uh, me a scripture in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I believe it is, where we are the chosen you're the chosen. God's chosen us to um, be a part of the increase right here. There is a battle that's going on. That doesn't mean that that we're defeated. It just means that uh, something is being stirred in the realm of the enemy, and he doesn't like it. But what he doesn't like doesn't really matter. What he doesn't like, he can't do anything about it. So what he does, he frustrates frustrates. So in order for us to see increase, uh, it's important, and this is what God has laid on my heart for this congregation. I wish that all of our church could be in here tonight. Uh, Maybe they can hear it on uh, the uh, podcast, because I believe it's for the whole church body, but I feel this heaviness, not in a bad way. I feel a heaviness in a good way for the sake of us as a church body to take a stand because when the increase comes in, an increase is coming in, and there's more increase that's going to come in to the house of God, but they need to see us victorious, walking in the Spirit, even though the battle is raging at times, physically, spiritually, or whatever, for us to take a stand so that so that those that come in in increase of souls that come into this church, uh, they can see the body of Christ taking a stand, whether anybody else in this world does or not. We take a stand on the Word of God, on the Word of truth. 
I believe in that increase. Um, and I, I want to, I want to tell on Sister Lonnie here tonight. I, I think the Lord gave her some things. I know the Lord gave her some things in prayer. And I thank the Lord that she stepped out and did this. We talk about filling this balcony up with souls. We, do you believe that still? Well, the Lord spoke to Sister Lonnie and said, okay, you're going to see souls up here. We need to put tithing envelopes up there. Yes. Well, I'm just looking at it that, well, if we believe, you know, if we, if we really believe it, if we pray for rain and we really believe it's going to rain, why come without an umbrella? You know, that's what it's all about. Thank you, Sister Lonnie, for hearing from the Lord. And, and that's, that's what it's all about, stepping out by faith. And, and as we have talked about, um, you know, disciple-making, um, I'm not teaching on that tonight, but there is a connection here with this, that disciple-making must be a culture of the church. A culture of the church. You know, a culture, to me, uh, what my thinking, meaning of that is that it's something that's just a part of us. This is our culture. This is who we are, that we're disciple-makers. We're soul-winners. We are filled with the power of God, and we're soul-winners. And it's, and, and it's not something you have to work up. Being a culture of our church, it's something that just automatically happens because we love people. We love souls. We want to reach people. We want to see people saved. We want to see their lives changed. And... Um, Disciple-making, soul-winning needs to be a culture of landmark, a culture of us. So what the Lord has laid upon my heart here tonight, I don't know if I'll finish it tonight or maybe have to teach it another night also, but it is so very important in this hour for landmark for all of us, all of us, to take a stand on truth even when the battle is raging. The battle is going to rage no matter what you do. If you, if you sit at home, guess what? There's going to be a battle that's going to rage. It's life. <laughs> so you might as well be in the house of God and fight it together. And this is not a bad thing. I'm not saying this in discouragement at all. I'm saying because I'm happy that you're going through battles. Because I know something's happening. The kingdom of darkness is stirred up. You know why? Because you've been praying. Because you've been worshiping. Because you've been making proclamations, Brother Ayers. Proclamations in prayer and proclaiming things. We're not just praying asking God to do things. We're proclaiming these things. I'm proclaiming souls to fill this balcony and this downstairs area. I'm proclaiming revival. I'm proclaiming victory. I'm proclaiming uh, uh, our people that have come to this church that are battling things that I don't really fully understand the fullness of living for God. I'm proclaiming victory for them. Tonight, I proclaim that victory. I take a stand. I make a proclamation. I, I believe that God has given us that authority to do that. Thank you, Brother Ayers, for feeling after the Lord and, and this, proc, this, this uh, confirmation of my friend in prayer uh, said that to us during the, uh, those times that we might feel like we're going through darkness. Make proclamations. I hadn't even talked to him about that. Nobody had talked to him about that for this church. But he felt that in prayer. So in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. God is speaking and confirming. So we're making proclamations. And the story that I would like to talk to you tonight about is such a familiar story. We know uh, the book of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know that story of um, the fiery furnace. I want you to turn to your Bibles to the book of Daniel chapter 3. Verse 1 through 30. And I'm going to read this chapter to you before I go into uh, what I feel like in this story. This, before we read this, um, this is a story of some committed, non-compromising children of God. 
And there was a major storm came to them, to their lives. And, but they had already settled that they're going to take a stand. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 1, and I'm going to read all the way through verse 30. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was threescore cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. By the way, uh, there is archaeological uh, findings there of a pedestal that they think that that's where this was built, but they have not found any any part of this image. But it was in the province of, of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, and the the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, and captains, and judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province were gathered together into the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Nebuchadnezzar was all excited. He had come up with some image that he wanted everybody to bow down to. So he wanted everybody to come and join in. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, harp, sapphire, uh, sultry, dulcimer, and all kinds of music. Ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Here he had this set up. The judgment was already there. Therefore at the time, verse 7, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery and all kinds of music all the people the nations and the languages fell down notice it says all the people the nations the languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews they spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar O king live forever Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sapphire, uh, psaltery, dulcimer, all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worship that, he shall be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the fairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Of course, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were, they were elevated in high positions here in, in this province of Babylon. Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye shall ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands Nebuchadnezzar said Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king O Nebuchadnezzar we are not careful to answer thee in this matter if it be so our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us Out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that 
we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the fire, burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, and rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto the counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning. All of a sudden, his everything changed with Nebuchadnezzar. He saw a miracle happen. Nebuchadnezzar came to the mouth of that of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God. His, he changed. Something changed in just a short time. Come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. Can you imagine what Nebuchadnezzar was going through right now? They were delivered from the fire. There's no way this could happen. Seven times hotter than what it normally, I mean, just the normal was going to burn people up. But here they were, it was seven times hotter, and the guys that just threw them in were burned up. And here... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were walking around in the midst of it unhurt. They were probably checking out the fire, checking out the flames, checking out the interior of the burning furnace. You know, they've probably never seen that before. Hey, guys, look at this. Look what's going on over here. They were having a good time. But I, I do also know that they were probably having a little conversation with the fourth man in the fire, too which was there to protect them. And um, they were in the fiery furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the kings, counselors, being gathered together, saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats Changed, nor even the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. What a change because of... Three men that decided to take a stand on what was right. It goes on and says, Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver the after this sort, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. I tell you what the Lord has laid upon my heart for our congregation. That there is a lot of attacks in our world spiritually, physically, mentally. I mean, you can list the names and things that are battling the children of God. But what we've got to understand is at no point in our walk with God, if we're determined to make it all the way, should we ever cower down 
to even this type of a situation that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faced with. And we might not ever face anything like this, and nobody may not ever face it ever again. But we do face some very fiery situations in our lives. But what God is calling us to do is to trust in Him and take a stand. At some point or another, we've got to really, truly, deeply commit ourselves to the power of the truth of God and the power of salvation, the power of holiness, the power of a desire to walk with God, whether anybody else walks with God or not, I'm going to take a stand to walk with God. That is what God has been laying upon my heart for landmark. We are living in a world today of compromise. It's sad. I've seen people just just compromise so many different things. And it doesn't start out with big things. It starts out with little things. Compromise a little thing here and then think that's okay. And then it goes to another thing. And then it goes to another thing. And it goes to another thing. And then eventually it gets to the point where uh, they're wondering, how in the world did I get here? I was right there in the middle of the kingdom of God, and now I'm way out on the outskirts of walking with God. Whether anybody else lives for God or not, we need to set our hearts and our soul so firm in God that no matter what anybody else does, even maybe someone that we love dearly, whether, whether they live for God or not, that I am going to live for God no matter what. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to dig my feet in. I'm going to make a foundation here. I'm going to, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. And that is exactly what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. How would we respond to this kind of situation? You know, first of all, they knew a little inkling of thought of what was happening uh, when they started seeing them build this image uh, and, and knowing the king that he is very prideful and he wants people to only do what he says and and he's got gods and idols and these things and, and they could see all of this begin to be formed together. The building of this image, the gold put on it uh, uh, and then the, the, you know how it is, the words of things that are said, well, you know, he's building an image for people to bow down to it. The word gets out. He talked to governors and princes and, and, and all of these other officials. And, and the word gets out that, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar is building this image so that when we play the music, you're going to have to fall down and bow down and worship this because the king has got so much pride that he wants it done his way. He wants you to worship his God. Really what he wants is you to worship him. He made this. He created this. He wants you to worship Him. He wants you to bow down basically to Him and what He has to say. Nebuchadnezzar was a ruthless man. So they could, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego could see all of this coming together and they knew before it actually got to the point where they were standing in the midst of the crowd they knew ahead of time, like everybody else did, we're going to have to make a decision here. We're going to have to make a decision. Either we're going to compromise or we're going to yield our lives, as it says here. Even the king said it. Either we're going to have to yield our lives or we're going to compromise. What is the answer to that question in your life right now? When the pressure's on, are you going to compromise? Or when the pressure's on, are you going to be so committed to God that you're going to yield yourself to God and trust Him to deliver you either out of it or through it? <laughs> That's what God has been laying in my heart. That as a church body, we've got to come to this answer to this question before we ever get to that point. I feel it heavy on my heart. We can imagine the enormous pressure of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to compromise. It was pressure. You don't have to answer this question, but I want you to think about it here. 
when you have felt the pressure to compromise because other people that you love dearly or friends or whatever, family members, were compromising and you felt the pressure to compromise, it was a pressure. And you knew that it was going, there was going to be a point where you're going to have to make some decisions. But the thing about it, to the children of God, we've got to make the decision before we ever get to that point. So they were under pressure. It was an enormous pressure, probably pressure that we have never ever experienced, maybe not ever experienced in this manner that they were faced with. Everything in front of them, they, they, uh, you know, in this pressure to compromise, everything in front of them, the king, the furnace, the music, their friends, their competitors, all of it conspired to convince them to compromise. That's the thing about compromise. There's a lot of pressure on people every day to compromise, to give in. I remember, and I've talked about this before, but I remember in high school, when I first came to the Lord, it was in high school, I felt the pressure to compromise, even from people that I cared about very dearly but there was something in my heart and soul that wouldn't allow me to compromise because and it's not because God was forcing me to do that it's because I settled that question long before the opportunity to compromise ever came along I told the Lord I said I'm not going to compromise I'm not going to give in I'm going to live for you Forever, I think that's a fair that's a that's a fair thing to say to the Lord. What God is wanting in His people is for us to not live for the Lord for five years and then compromise and be swept away in some wave out into the things of the world again. And trust me, it's worse than what it was before. The Bible bears that out. But to come to the point of conclusion now knowing that that choice of compromise is going to come at some point or another. But the decision needs to be made now. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to surrender to the ways of the world. I'm going to surrender and yield myself to God. To God. So they had all of these things in front of them, the king, the furnace, the music, the, the uh, friends that were going to be pressure for them, the competitors, uh, those that wanted them to fail. Uh, all of it conspired to convince them to compromise. Yet God was more real to them than any of those things. That is an important key here. God has got to be more important to you than any other voice of influence in your life. The Word of God, the voice of God, the presence of God, trusting in God, uh, He's got to be first. I'm just telling you. He's got to be first. There's so many compromising voices out there that want us to yield to the ways of the world. All it's going to do is just suck you right back out into the world, right back out into sin, right back into misery, right back into uh, near-death experiences. And you're, you're lucky. You're, no, let me rephrase that. You're not lucky. It's the hand of God that you're here today. <laughs> all of us. It's the hand of God that we're here today. But all of these things, yet, yet God was more real to them. Their love for God, the love for uh, uh, the things of God were more important than this image that couldn't breathe, couldn't speak to them, couldn't feel their hurts, their problems, their struggles. Uh, you couldn't even, you could speak to it, but it can't hear you. This image. But God meant more to them because He was a God of Trust, a God that you could trust, God of hope, God of strength, God of love, God of mercy, God of grace. I feel I feel such a, a heaviness upon me right now. I just feel we've got to come to a point of making some decisions for the Lord and putting Him first. 
coming to the point of making a decision that He is first in our lives. First in our lives. Not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth. First. Because that's how you're going to be able to overcome the voices of compromise. Do do not judge the situation by the king's threat and by the heat of the burning fiery furnace and by the everlasting uh, God and eternal life which awaits you. Uh, these are things that we you, you can't you can't judge the situation by the the compromising voices, but you've got to judge this situation by God is offering to us eternal life. He is offering to us victory. He's offering things to us that are going to bless our lives. But we can't judge this situation by the king's threat and by the burning of the fiery furnace. We've got to make our minds up beforehand. We're going to live for God. In our day, many do love the Lord, there's no doubt, and they think very highly of Him. But yet, they are so far from God because they also love and worship the world and sin. There's no doubt they love God. But God's not first in their life. The world, sin, flesh is first. And if the opportunity of compromise comes along, they will jump to it because it's pleasing to the flesh. What God is saying to you, God is speaking these things right now because He is wanting to keep you as a child of God. He's not going to force you or me. He wants to keep you as a child of God because He wants you to worship Him above and beyond anything else. Matter of fact, it's not just worship of the world and sin, but it's also worship of self. A lot of people worship themselves. It says in 1 John 2 and 15, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know why? Because the love of the world is loving sin and idols and and ungodly things, and it's totally contrary to God. It's a place of compromise. Compromise. It says here in the Scripture, Let it be known to you, the children of Israel said to the king. They were very bold in saying this. You could be very bold when you have come to the conclusion before the event ever happens uh, I've got it settled within my heart, and I've got it settled within my soul. I've got it settled within my life that I, what, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to stand up for God and live for God because I trust Him. That's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saying. When they said this to the king, um, uh, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which ye have set up. Now notice here, all these people were standing, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing also with all of these people, friends, competitors, the king, governors, all these important people, and they were all waiting for the music to start. When the music starts, they were supposed to bow down to this image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And when the music began to play, all of these people bowed down, talking about pressure on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, talking about standing out in the crowd, Brother Austin. <laughs> you know, a lot of times we, we, we like to take a stand for God, but we just want to hide behind everybody. Until the victory comes, and then we're ready to stand up and rejoice in the victory. But here was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing in all the midst of this multitude of people. And when the music began to play, all of them bowed down. But three men took a stand. And as all these people were bowed down, they were standing up because they had settled in their heart a long time ago in their relationship with God 
that I'm not going to compromise my relationship with God for a God that can't hear me, a God that can't feel my feelings, a God that can't speak, can't breathe, can't doesn't have ears to hear, nothing. Just an image. I'm not going to bow down to that. And these three men stood. And can you imagine the, the eyes as they looked at these three men? I could hear voices probably saying, you guys are stupid. Come on, just bow down. It meant more to them than just a few moments of bowing to an image that means nothing to them. God meant everything to them. And when they didn't bow down, then the king got very furious when they came to him and said, well, three guys didn't bow down, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he started speaking to them. Well, you just bow down. You know, it's just simple. Just bow down. When, and then when they begin to speak to the king in this manner, you don't speak to the king in this manner. But they were very bold in this. Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will worship the gold image which you have set up. It took great faith for them to do this, to say this. God brought them to this place of great faith. It had been prepared in their lives. Things were preparing in their life. God brought them to this great place of faith by preparing them with tests in less dramatic areas. There's a lot of things that happen. Right now, we're, we're in the midst of a, you know, it's, it's a strange time. Things are happening. But I believe that, that God is setting some things up for a great move of God. The, the, the enemy doesn't like God moving within this church. So when God moves, the devil has no clue what God's going to do. He just knows God's moving. And when he sees God move, then he tries to do everything to hinder it and stop it. He might even put in your mind and in your heart a little, well, it's okay to compromise this. Let me tell you something. When the souls begin to walk into the doors of this church, they're going to need to see a child of God, a congregation that takes a stand for truth. You know truth. Take a stand for truth. Don't compromise truth. You know it. But these little compromises are going to be the very thing that destroys a new baby in the Lord that tries to come to Him. These little compromises. I feel this heavy on my heart. Very heavy. Because God is preparing to bring a great increase. And we've got to be ready for that. Compromising truth is not the way to see revival. Taking a stand on truth and walking in the ways of God and letting His Spirit draw people to His house is going to bring a great and a mighty deliverance of souls from sin. You know how to live for God. Take a stand. Compromise is all around us. But take a stand. Settle it in your heart. But there are little times and little areas in our life that we face little things that test us. It's a proving ground. It's a testing time for us to get to those big events. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, there was little things, I'm sure, that came in their life, just like it does in our lives. Uh, little things that tested them, but they took a stand on those. They, they stood against the powers of compromise in the little things. And then when the big thing comes, and, you know, you think about it. When, I'm just guessing, say, 10,000 people standing there and bowing down. You're the only one standing? Pressure. Pressure. Compromise always brings pressure. But if these men had compromised, guess what? They wouldn't have seen the greatest miracle, one of the greatest miracles of the Bible, take place. And talking about change in Nebuchadnezzar and in this kingdom... It came because of people that wouldn't compromise. We know apostolic truth. Stand upon it. Walk in it. You know why it's, it's truth? Because it's the Word of God. Stand upon this book. Stand upon this Word. Take a stand on it. Don't let other voices speak into your life and make 
get you to a point where, oh, this is okay, this, this, is, this is all right. Uh, you know, little excuses, little compromise here, little compromise there. Take a stand on the Word of God. <laughs> and don't buy it and sell it not. Isn't that what the Bible says? Buy it and sell it. Buy into it. Buy into this book. Buy into this Word. And when the chance comes for one, someone's wanting to buy it from you, don't sell it. It's a treasure beyond treasures. Truth. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Amen. But they said, let it be known, King. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to walk with your, serve your God, your gold image. These men stood firm when challenged to eat impure foods. They even saw God bless their obedience and other issues in small situations. They, they, uh, that gave them courage to obey when they came up against the higher stakes of multitudes of people bowing down to an image, and they took a stand and did not bow down. They had settled this a long time ago. They also said, Let it be known, O king, the statement of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is also a remarkable, uh, is remarkable for what it does not have. It has no hint of excuse. I could write a book on excuses. And probably some excuses I've used also. I could write a book. You'd be amazed at some of the excuses why people can't live for God or why people can't uh, 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 come and worship at the house of God or, or, or uh, surrender to God or whatever. I mean, it's amazing. We, we can find all kinds of excuses. But in this word that they said to the king, let it be known to you, O king, that doesn't sound like any word of excuse. It sounds like taking a stand, doesn't it? Taking a stand. I'm going to take a stand, no matter what anybody else does. If I'm the last man standing, if I'm the if the last one is going to serve God, I'm going to take a stand for God. Amen. Let it be known to you, O King. You know, there's a lot of excuses they could have used. They might have said, well, there's nothing to gain by resisting. Wouldn't we do more good by just living? They might have said, we're in a different place. You know the old saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans do? You ever heard that saying? <laughs> Excuse. We're not in Jerusalem. We're not in Israel. We're in Babylon. So when in Babylon, do as the Babylonians do. That could have been an excuse they could have used. They might have said, uh, we will lose our jobs and our standard of living if we don't bow. We'll lose our homes. We'll lose everything. But often when God blesses us, we make the blessing an idol and compromise God to keep what we have. God gives us a blessing, and sometimes we take that blessing and make it an idol. Thank God for His blessings. But they are nothing without God. Nothing. They might have also said, everybody else is doing it. There's a lot of times people use that excuse and say, well, everybody else is doing it. Not everybody else is doing it. Just those that love the flesh and sin and the ungodliness of the world, yeah, they're doing it. But there are people that are taking a stand. And, and that is the reason, and it's sad, it's sad, but that is the reason why the Bible does say broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way to lead, that leads to heavenly places in God. It's sad. But we can't influence people to live for God and realize there's a change in our lives if we're doing everything they're doing. And just because people wear a cross doesn't mean that they're living for God. There's fruit that comes forth out of our lives. That fruit of the Spirit. There's power in the Spirit of God. 
Everybody else is doing it. They might have even said, um, it's only for once, and not for very long, maybe ten minutes that we have to bow down. Just ten minutes, just for the king. It's probably really the wrong thing they could say to just throw our lives away for just ten minutes that we could bow down. These men knew that ten minutes could change an entire nation. (laughs) Ten minutes could destroy a nation and let it continue to go down a downward spiral. But they also knew that just ten minutes of taking a stand and not compromising could save a nation. They could have used the excuse, well, just ten minutes. Ten minutes can chart the course of your eternity. They might have said this is more than can be expected of us. God will understand just once. That excuse has been used many times. Well, God will understand. God's okay with this. It's just one time. Really knowing that, you know, they know that God understands. People might say, well, God's going to understand. Yes, He does understand. He understands enough that we are prone to fall to temptation. That's the reason why He went to the cross and gave it an opportunity for us to be able to come and have a way of escape from our sinful nature. We know that God understands, but He doesn't understand us just using that as an excuse that we just understand. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. So you see, what what I feel like God is trying to say to us here, and I know I'm far from being finished, but the Bible says that they were not careful to answer the king. What that says to me is there was something that was so entrenched into the very core and foundation of their life of truth and, and understanding of the Word of God and relationship with God that they weren't going to be careful how they answered the king in this matter concerning compromise because they knew that the king, how he was, his personality, that he's going to get mad about this, he's going to be very upset about this. So they were not careful in it. They wanted to make sure that he understood, we're not going to bow down to your image or your gods. And I also believe that the reason why they were not careful with their answer to the king is, again, because they already settled it within their heart and soul that I'm not going to compromise. They'd already settled in their hearts what to do before they ever were confronted to compromise. It says here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Benego, verse 16, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But, if not, Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They understood, and bring us to a close for tonight, God can deliver us from a trial, or he can miraculously, miraculously strengthen us in a trial. Either way, God's going to deliver us. So what I'm feeling here tonight, I just feel this so heavy upon my heart for, for our church, that it is so very important for us to settle within our heart and our mind and our soul that I'm going to take a stand on the Word of God when the whole world might say, I don't want anything to do with God. Trust me, your stand that you take for God is going to make a difference in this whole world. When they see that you take a stand and you, you take a stand for the king, kingdom of God and, and your relationship with God is not going to change just because pressure and compromise is coming. We're going to take a stand on that. Trust me, the influence of all of those that were bowing down to the image when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three men out of all of the multitudes of people, uh, three men took a stand. Trust me, that had such an influence 
upon all of those people. First of all, it had an influence on the king when they were thrown in the fiery furnace. And they came forth, and he saw four men in the fire, and one like unto the Son of God. Uh, I, I'm telling you here, he he seen something miraculous, and it totally changed his attitude, changed his thinking, and then because it changed the king, it changed the whole the whole country, the whole empire. So, if a church of landmark will take, will take, and I know we are, will take a stand in the midst of compromise to walk with God, to live for God, to do what we know is right in God, God is going to continue to do great things and bring an increase so powerful and so glorious uh, because it's going to be God's work using us, but God's work. But it's going to influence this community. It's going to influence this area. It's going to influence this state. It's going to influence this country, this world, people that you love, family members, uh, friends, neighbors, workers that work beside you every day. It's going to influence them when you take a stand and don't compromise. Compromise doesn't win anybody over to the Lord. But when you take a stand for what is right, a lot of people will try you and try your faith. I know it's been done to me many times just like it's been done to you. They'll try you. They'll say words trying to bait you and try to see if you will compromise. And and, and it's just simple. I've got this thing settled in my heart and my soul and I am not going to compromise. And I believe that that's what God is putting within our hearts of this church. It's, it's settled. It's settled. I'd like for us to stand. It's settled, God. It would be so pleasing to the Lord here tonight for us to just simply close our eyes and lift our heads up to the Lord and just simply say to the Lord, Lord, it is settled. And if you haven't been able to settle it, even tonight, I would suggest for you to find a place of prayer in your home and talk to Him and ask Him to help you to settle this thing in your heart. Amen. Can we lift our hearts and our minds and our soul up to the Lord here right now and say to Him, God, I want this settled. It's settled in my heart. It's settled in my soul. Amen. Let's lift our voice up to Him. God, I settle it right now. I take a stand right now in the midst of compromise, in the midst, uh, midst of the world and the ways of the world and sin. When these things bombard us at times, God, I'm going to take a stand because I love You, because I want to live for You. I want to walk with You. I want to serve You. I want to live for You throughout eternity. Amen. God, Your, your blessings are wonderful and beautiful and your love is deep and your mercy is great and vast. Amen. I want what you have, God. I've settled it in my heart. I know that the ways of God are a beautiful way. It leads me to blessings and it leads me to new life. It leads me to hope. It leads me to victory. It leads me to be a conqueror. Amen. It leads me to a beautiful place in you. It leads me to be able to lead my family in the right way. Amen. By example, by example of taking a stand for you, taking a stand on the Word of God. I thank you for the Word. I thank you for your Spirit. I thank you for your presence, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.